for being late. Um, we took our senator out to dinner, and <coughs> you know how things happen. Anyway, I got here as soon as I could. Um, thank you, everyone, for. Did you for leave coming. her at the dinner table? Do what? Did you leave her at the restaurant? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but she'll be here just a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our business meeting, get that over with, so we'll have plenty of time to hear from the senator, which is going to be our key focus today. Um, all right, so I'm calling the meeting to order. Oops. This is the wrong thing. Uh, nothing wrong with me, Tommy. Okay. Um, Cindy. Yes, ma'am. Will you give the invocation for us, please? I will pray for us, yes. <laughs> Thank you. We need it. All right. If everybody would stand, please. Father, thank you for this country. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that those here are we hope like-minded and looking forward to doing your will. We, we ask that you guide us and that help us to make the right decisions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Cindy. And now the pledges to the flag, starting with the American flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. of the minutes from the June meeting on the table here. I apologize that they weren't sent out earlier, but um, we lost our secretary. Um, Kathy Gray resigned uh, last week um, for personal reasons. We won't go into that. But um, in the meantime, Cindy has volunteered to, she took the minutes for our board meeting last week and she's taking the minutes for us at tonight's meeting. But um, we're gonna need a volunteer to take minutes for us going forward through the November meeting. So if anybody wants to jump up and uh, volunteer, you can volunteer on a month to month basis, say, you know, you can volunteer for the September meeting or the October meeting or the November meeting. So let me know if uh, you're willing to step up and take notes for us and, and provide our minutes. Because we need some help. In the meantime, I make a motion that we accept the minutes that you have for June's meeting. Okay. Cindy has made a motion to accept the June minute meeting, meeting minutes. Um, can I have a second? Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Good. Moving on. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, Diane Petras, our treasurer, is yes. going to present our treasurer's report. As of August 15th, we have $17,779. In the last couple of months, we've had expenditures of uh, $575. Most of those were 
fee for donations or reimbursements for PR work. Thank you. Okay, Deborah Igizabel is our membership chair, so she'll give us an update there. As of August 17th, we have 51 members and 22 associate members. And tonight, we signed up three associate members and one um, female member. If you'd like to stand and introduce yourself, if you want to. I'm Catherine B. Smith of Flat, Flat Tony. Thank you, Catherine. Associate members? No? Okay. <laughs> and we have several more that inquired tonight, so we'll do it. Okay. Thank you, Deborah. Um, Barbara Acuff is not here, right? Yes, she is. Oh, yeah. in the back. Okay. Barbara is our campaign activities and awards chair. Uh, you want to give us our results for the second quarter? Yes. Okay, we had three reports this month. Uh, one was our quarterly report of our hours, and we reported uh, 846 hours, volunteer campaign hours, uh, uh, attending training and various things, and the people that got the awards uh, this time for the most hours, it would be Deborah Petrus. is our legislative chair, but she is in Iceland right now. <laughs> Lucky her. Iceland. Oh my God. I bet it's really warm. <laughs> well, it's cooler than it is here. I can guarantee you that much. So anyway, um, we're, we're not going to have a legislative uh, report this time because Senator Colcourse is going to be here and she's going to talk about um, some of the things that happened during the the past legislature. Um, 
I do want to mention that I have, um, oh, one bit of business we have to take care of. What's it? Oh, yeah. Patsy Parker, our literacy chair. I am so sorry. Where is she? There she is. Okay. She's been working diligently on our library project. Come to the uh, front. We, we have delivered our public library books to all the public libraries in Fayette County, Round Top, LaGrange, Schulenburg, and Flatonia. And we had um, a children's book about the flag, and we had an adult book, and it, it's Love Your Enemies by Albert Brooks, is that his name? Uh, Arthur Brooks. Ar Arthur Brooks, yeah. And then we gave a National Parks book, and it's all about the National Parks, the animals, everything, plants, animals, everything, to each of the libraries. So that's all done. Now I'm waiting for school to be in session for a couple of weeks, and then I call and get the count for the third graders, and then we'll deliver the uh, gazetters or dictionaries. Yes. Thank you, Patsy. Good job. Okay, it's that time of year again. We have to have a nomination committee formed um, tonight that consists of three members and one alternate that those particular members of that committee cannot be current officers current elected officers, which means president, vice president, secretary, or treasury. Uh, those elected officers cannot serve on this nominating committee. And the purpose of the nominating committee is to come up with officers for, officer candidates for our 2024 year. So, having said that, I'm asking for volunteers to be on the nominating committee. Um, I will say that we know we don't have the secretary right now, so we are gonna have to for sure fill that position. If the current three other officers are willing to serve again for one more year, they are eligible to serve again, but the nomination committee would have to approach those officers and ask them. Yay! Okay, so I am asking the group, again, I need a total of four, three for the permanent committee and one alternate just in case. So, let me see your hands. I volunteer. Okay, I've got one. Deborah. Okay, Connie, Kelly. All right, there's our three. Who wants to be an alternate? Can you be an associate to be on it? Sure. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, Cindy Wiggle. <laughs> you get that, Cindy? Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> so again, the, the four positions that we'll be uh, seeking to fill for 2024 is president, vice president, which includes uh, program chair, uh, secretary and treasurer. So thank you for volunteering. Um, all right, I got to beg some more. Uh, we once again are going to have a joint Republican booth at the Fayette County Fair, the Fayette County Party, and the Fayette County Women. 
uh, go together to man the booth for the four days of the fair. I have a sign-up sheet right here. Um, as you can see, I've gotten really good response so far, but I do have a few shifts that are open. Uh, again, the, the fair starts on Thursday, August the 31st, and runs through September 2nd on that Sunday. And I've scheduled three-hour shifts, so it shouldn't be too much of a burden for you guys to show up to the fair for and sit at our booth for three hours and greet people and, um, you know, just get the word out. We'll have plenty of, we'll have our membership forms, we'll have push cards, we'll have uh, various information out there. So help us. Before you leave, come look at the list and see if you can fill any of those vacant sl slots for us. Um, in addition to the fair, the, uh, we're going to have an entry in the fair parade, so I'll need volunteers to ride the truck in the fair parade. Um, I'm still looking for somebody who has a red truck who's willing to <laughs> drive it. So, <clears throat> anyway. That's on the list too, down toward the bottom, it says parade, volunteers. What, what time's the parade? Uh, we usually gather around nine o'clock. And that's on what day? It's on a Saturday, September the 1st. First. Okay. Yes. Second. Second. Thank you. Okay, Saturday the 2nd. It's a really short parade. It is. Yeah. I mean, you really spend more time waiting in line for the parade to start <laughs> than you do actually going through the parade. But again, we like to have a presence. We want Fayette County to know that there is a Republican presence here in Fayette County. We're active. We're doing things. So, um, all right. I think that's enough. Um, I want to welcome Representative Kitzman back in the back. Hopefully y'all had some time to visit with him before this started. I wouldn't know I wasn't here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, thank you for coming. Thank you. Okay. Um, now, without further ado, Rita, do you want to come up and introduce the senator? Deborah and I had the opportunity this evening to have dinner in Round Top with our Senator, Lois Colcourse. Thank you, Lois. And she treated us, so we all upgraded. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much for dinner. We enjoyed it. It was at Lulu's, so we can recommend that. But anyway, um, Lois needs no introduction, uh, really. Uh, we just want to give her the maximum amount of time to talk to you all this evening. And I think she will have time to answer a few questions. Uh, absolutely. Possibly. Okay, great. Okay. Well, come on up. Thanks, Senator Rita. Colcourse. I would say the best part of the evening was having dinner with them, or maybe seeing all of you, but the best part of this evening is getting, what do we call this? Sourdough bread. Fabulous raisin cinnamon swirl. It, if y'all have never had this from his lovely wife, you need to like. I know she sells them. Yeah, but she made this one fresh for me today. It's still warm. It's still warm, Mr. Kitzman. You have to earn these, okay? So, 
Anybody tries to swipe this from me, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> that is Brianne Burnson's Plum Fabulous Raisin Cinnamon Swirl Bread. She says you can buy it at the Jersey Barnyard, which helps both her and the barnyard. Thank you very much. So I, I, I want to say how great it is to, to be out. Um, having finished um, two special sessions um, and, and now um, preparing to go back for an impeachment trial. Uh, which will start September the 5th, right after your fair. Uh, and so uh, my office is headlong into that. Uh, we're doing a tremendous amount of work uh, in pre preparation for that. I want to introduce Andrea Fisher. Andrea, stand up, take a bow. Uh, Andrea is, um, she's our communications director, but she is also um, covers uh, several counties, one of which is Fayette County. And, um, when I was a state rep, I did a lot of satellite offices, and we did a little bit of that when I became a state senator, and then Betty McCarty uh, kind of retired on us, and so uh, we looked for a long time for the perfect person, and we found Andrea Fisher, and so we're kicking off our satellite offices again. I think you're in Austin County first? She's going alphabetical. Yeah, and then... September 1st for Fayette County. Okay, um, so right there during the fair, and um, she'll hear from a lot of people, I'm sure, so uh, that's good news. I have a ton to cover tonight, but I won't cover it all, uh, and then I can answer y'all's questions. Um, first of all, let me thank uh, all of you for being here tonight. Uh, an engaged electorate is the most important thing that we do as, as citizens, um, and what I like to say is the grassroots. Uh, the grassroots are the people that really drive us. Um, you keep us grounded. Uh, you, uh, you know, we hear from you. Um, we, we know Cindy, and Cindy, welcome. Cindy Wingo, f formerly from uh, Katy, Republican mm -hmm. Women, mm -hmm. uh, has moved to Schulenburg uh -huh. uh, and is back to being my constituent again. That's great. Right. Uh, but it, it's super important. And so when Deborah's asking for volunteers or Rita or others, um, it's really important. Uh, I worked the fair booth last year. I was in the parade last year. And it's a great opportunity to talk to people, to engage with people. Come on in. The you? church is wide open. Uh, it's a great opportunity to work with people and uh, to engage with them. Uh, and the Democrats had a pretty active booth last, last session. I mean, last year at the fair. Um, they had it staffed. Um, they had... Uh, some really cool stuff. And by the way, uh, Andrea, if we have some giveaways or things like that, like uh, chip clips or whatever, can you get it uh, to them? Because it's always kind of attractive to be able to give stuff out. So uh, I want to thank y'all. Please volunteer. Uh, and, and, you know, three hours, um, it goes by really fast uh, when you're talking to people. And you get to know the people in the other booths. And uh, it's, it's really uh, fun. So Y'all had a great presence at the 4th of July parade. Um, rare that I'm not at the Round Top Parade. I went to Chapel Hill this year. Uh, it's always a little envious that year after year I go to the Round Top Parade uh, and they get a little uh, mad in Chapel Hill and other uh, places. And so uh, I did the, the Chapel Hill Parade. Look, Andrew's guilty. Um, so one of her best friends is the organizer of it. So I did Chapel Hill this year. It was, it was, it was great and well attended as well as that. So we come out on the 4th of July. We uh, celebrate our freedoms uh, and and so if, if, if you want to I, I was just asked for, to run for the United States 
Senator, thank you so much. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't want to go to D.C., um, uh, and I know that's uh, pretty selfish, but I, I think that Texas is the last stand for our nation. Um, it, it, it really, you know, I, I think there's some good things going on in a couple of other states. Um, Florida, um, you know, uh, does, does some pretty good things, but um, Texas is just big enough that we move the needle. The uh, governor's mansion will look good on you. Pardon me? That governor's mansion will look good on you. No, no, you're very kind. <laughs> no, thank you. I was with Governor Abbott yesterday, and uh, that, that's something uh, fun that we announced yesterday on a, a nuclear, uh, uh, what we call the small nuclear reactors uh, that are going to, uh, there's modular reactor that uh, is going to start in Senate District 18 down by Cedriff. I'll get to that. Um, but um, if you take nothing else from this, what the left wants to do, what the one world order wants to do to us, is they, 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 they um, when, when you look at the news, and uh, they want to defeat us. They want to defeat uh, us and demoralize us, and, and we really can't have that. So one of the most important things we do is, is remain active and, 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 and talk. You know, Republicans can, um, we're, we're, um, I like to say uh, we're more civilized in ways that we approach people. Um, but, but people are figuring out that something is a little wrong. Um, Trump said the other night he's one indictment away from a landslide victory. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good quote. Uh, it's clever. Um, you know, you just can't make this up. Uh, you just cannot make this up. I mean, over and over and over again. Um, the uh, double standard with the Biden family. Uh, and... I mean, you know, the laptop was real. No one denies that now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you look at the crimes uh, committed uh, by the president's son, uh, the DOJ, uh, the, uh, you know, the DOJ going after innocent people. At one point, uh, they were going after parents that would dare show up at school board meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we in this country? So I think that our role... And, 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 and I do a lot of introspective uh, praying. If you follow me on Facebook, you know, I do a lot of, uh, I'm not just posting a scripture. I give you my opinion about what that scripture might mean in my life. Uh, but we, we, we have quite, um, we have quite a uh, challenge ahead of us. But I want you all to know something. The tide is turning. The tide is turning. And I don't know how to explain that to you all. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm an outdoors person, and I will tell y'all, even though uh, my um, readout on my uh, Tahoe out here said 108, uh, let that one sink in, 108 at, at uh, you know, 6.30 when we left the restaurant tonight, um, that um, y'all know when you can tell a change in the air, the, the change in the season where it just gets a little, mayor gets a little hazy out there. There was a north wind blowing two days ago. I looked out on the lake, uh, our, our, our pond, our tank, uh, behind our house, and I was like, wait a minute, the ripples are going that direction. I mean, I'm like, that's, that's a north wind. Um, and, 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 and that's what I feel in America. I, I feel like the common person is saying something's not quite right. Something is not quite right. So our meetings and our gatherings and what we're getting ready to do, we're, we're heading into 
we were heading into a presidential election year. Now, some of you in this room, you know, you might not be for Trump. Some of you are for DeSantis. Some of you are for, you know, you can name it. Um, there's a bunch of them out there in the field. And there will be competition. I don't know how this is going to end. Uh, but in America, we have choices, okay? But whoever we nominate, we have to get behind that person. and Because this one is for all the marbles. I, I really don't think we can turn it back. I mean, this was the third term that Obama got. And we all know that Obama really, I mean, mm -hmm. he's a great orator, but who is really controlling it? Mm -hmm. I mean, God love Joe Biden, not. not. But, I mean, I think that God does love him. But he, he does not have the mental capacity to be our president, okay? Um, and so, you know, guys, we're, we're really, I mean, I hope that they do nominate Biden. I really do. I, I, I really do. Um, because I think that that gives us a pretty clear path. We've done a lot in Texas uh, on voter integrity. Uh, we did not as much as I wanted to see uh, in, in, in this session. Uh, there were some bills that died that we really needed to pass. We got a few that were passed for Harris County. Those are being challenged in the court. Uh, what happened in Harris County? Uh, when you run out of ballot paper, um, there should be some consequences. Um, you know, I know that Alex Miller is uh, claiming that it could, she lost by 14,000. It could be up to 30, 40,000 people that didn't uh, vote. Um, every poll showed her winning. Every poll showed her winning. So I just want y'all to know that we've got a lot going on. I'm going to jump straight into uh, some things of, of, of this session, and um, then we can um, discuss it. You know, I, I always tell my staff, you know, it's, it's hard to pare down everything. This is just Health and Human Services. I chair Health and Human Services in the Texas Senate, and this is just our synopsis. This is just one committee. Our synopsis of the bills uh, that passed and those that didn't pass and, and, and kind of what we did in Health and Human Services. So uh, there was a lot that happened this session. We tend to focus on what we didn't do. I'm going to start with probably the biggest of all. Uh, which was a budget surplus uh, of historic nature. Um, it, 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 it's big, and it, it was a culmination of a lot of different things. Um, you had, um, we came out of COVID, um, we had um, um, some of the federal funds that, that kind of flowed our way. Uh, we're very conservative as a state as far as what we spend our money on, the economy. Um, companies are coming here and they're opening up businesses. It, cre it, it, it adds to your economy. So if we were a nation, we'd be, uh, just Texas alone, uh, we would rival Russia and France in, in our size. Uh, so, so we're real. So we, we have this $33 billion surplus. Um, now Stanza was a freshman this year. I will tell y'all that it's easier to be in a session when there's no money or you're in a deficit because you just can just say no, 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 no. It's just a real easy thing. When you have all that money, then you really have to, you really have to decide how are we going to spend it and what does this look like in 10 years? And so be careful not to build bigger government because then you have to pay for it. Some of our school districts did that with their COVID money, their ESSER funding, where they built uh, I, I went around and told them all, it's one-time money, it's one-time money, it's historic money, it's a gift. Do it on one-time expenditures. 
some of them did not, and they find themselves in deficits now because, again, that was federal money. We're not going to replace that money. So what did we do with that $33 billion? The number one thing that we did, $18 billion of it, is we're giving it back to the people. Amen. And, and so how are we doing that? Now, listen, I had a county commissioner call me yesterday, and um, that county commissioner, order in the court is what I wanted to say to him, okay? <laughs> and that was, he literally did not understand what we had just done. And he goes, aren't y'all working on some tax bill? I was like, I was like, Representative Kitzman, I said, we passed that a month ago. I was like, so I'm going to cover this uh, very, very quickly, okay? But um, uh, really important. The first thing is, is that on November the 7th, I believe it is, but early voting is before then, is that you are going to get to vote on, um, you are going to get to vote on taking your homestead exemption from 40000 to 100000 now, this same county commissioner goes, what does that mean? I go, well, commissioner, you need to go back to school. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was like, I had to put it on mute a couple of times and say, you know, I love all my elected hey, officials. No, it was not. No, it was not. Okay, it, it was not. But I was like, oh, boy. Okay, so, uh, commissioner, if you have a $200,000 home and it's your homestead, you take 200000 Minus 100,000, which means 100,000. That's all you're going to pay taxes on for your school taxes. That is a big deal. And I will tell y'all, you know, I love my children. Lois Kate now is 24, okay? And she wow. really wants to buy a home. You know, and she, she's a renter right now. She really wants to buy a home, okay? And she's just trying to figure out, how am I ever going to buy a home? I mean, I'm just, I don't make enough money. I said, well, honey, this is, this is real life, okay? So when I was going through all these special sessions, you know, she said, Mom, I just, you know, there's this argument about compression versus homestead. Can you just boil it down? I can tell you where we're sitting on the couch in Brenham. And I go, okay, Lois Kate, I gave her that example. I said, okay, if you have a $200,000 home minus $100,000, you are only going to pay taxes on $100,000. She goes, okay. She goes, what is this compression thing? And I go, well, this is what compression is. We say to the school districts, we're going to, and if there are, um, if there's a bucket, uh, and that's how, the top of the bucket, we fully fund schools, right? Half the bucket, you get to pay for with your local taxes. Half the bucket, you get to pay for through your state taxes. It's not state versus local. It's all your money, okay? And anybody that says differently, they don't know what they're talking about. It's all your money. It's all collected, but what entity pays, okay? And so what compression is, is that it takes those tax dollars, that surplus that we had, and it applies it to the bucket and fills up more of the bucket with the state money so that you're going to pay less on your property tax rate here. For example, I know one school district, Brenham ISD, their school taxes are gonna go down 17.7 cents. That's a lot the rate is going to go down that much just on the bills that we just passed, which I think were SB 1 and 2, 2 and 3, whatever they were. So is were. this a one-time thing? No. Uh, it, it, technically, the budget is a two-year budget. Okay, so it's a two-time thing. No. So two-year budget, but here's the deal. Everything in that budget is a two-year deal. Uh -huh. Everything. I mean, I cannot, we cannot commit the legislature, but what the homestead, it's going to be a permanent thing because right. you're going to get to vote on it in Prop 4 
on November the 7th, okay? And that becomes a constitutional amendment, and that is permanent, okay? So it was the two, the two ways. So y'all remember the House? They wanted to do it all in compression. The Senate, unanimously, and it's pretty rare that we have 31 senators go to a press conference, right? That's pretty impressive. The, the, the Senate said, we want to do both. We want to do partial compression, but we want, because compression goes to everyone. It goes to the small business owner. It goes to the large business owner. It goes to everyone. But we, we had a, a theory, and, and Stan, you probably agree to it, um, in that we want people to own their, their own home. It's really important. If you hear Klaus Schwab uh, with the World Economic Forum say, you will own nothing and be happy. We must resist that, right? I mean, we, I'm, I'm, I'm real serious. I mean, there is a method to this madness, okay? And so in the end, the House agreed with us, and we passed both. Y'all, this is really a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal to compress your tax rates. To put it in perspective, when I started in the Texas legislature, and I did not represent Fayette County at the time. I was your neighbor, but I did not represent you. Um, it wasn't until, gosh, I think 2011 when I started representing y'all, um, that um, the maintenance and operation tax for school districts was $1.50. Before INS, which is debt <laughs> issuance, which you vote on, before that. So in 2006, I voted to cut that by a third down to a dollar. School districts could only go to a dollar four um, without a tax vote. Uh, then over time, we've been buying that tax rate down. Super important. HB3, uh, back in 2019, how are you doing? Come on in, all the way from Flatonia, I love it. Um, <laughs> Just kick my purse out of the way. I wish there was more money in there, but there's not. Um, uh, back in uh, 2019, um, we voted on HB3 and SB2, and that did two things for you on your tax rates. You did not see it in 21 because of COVID, uh, because there was an emergency trigger in those bills. And obviously, we had an emergency, uh, and most counties and school districts uh, and cities availed themselves to this. but. What it said is, is that you cannot raise local taxes more than 2.5%, that's HB3, to school districts, 2.5%. And counties and cities cannot raise it more than 3.5% without going to the voters. Now, prior to that, it was 8%. This is a major compression. So we're going to continue to compress, and we have a constitutional duty to fund our public schools. We will meet those constitutional duties. Uh, Stan and I will probably go back in October in a special session. We have $5 billion waiting to, for a teacher pay raise and also to give school districts more money. Most of that $5 billion is, is probably going to be teacher pay raises, which I support. $8,000 for rural t teachers, big mm. deal, mm -hmm. because they make so much less than our urban and suburban teachers. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying to y'all is, is that the combination of in 2019 when we did HB3 and SB2 plus what we did in this last special session, which is giving you back through different triggers, $18 billion is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I know all of you in this room are going to say, what about appraisals? Now, this is where I agreed with the house on this. The house wanted to take your appraisal cap of 10% and move it down to 5%. I filed that bill on, my, on the Senate side. Mm -hmm. I'm going to forever file that bill, and I'm going to be a broken record. I still think that we should do it. But we did, the House did get a victory on this, and they got a 20% cap for small businesses. Your, your, your homesteads are still capped at 10%. They can not go up more than 10% a year. And right now, if they're going up 10%, y'all should probably appeal those up. Mm -hmm. But for small businesses, there is, or any business, there is no cap. If you had a rent house, there's no cap. Um, any commercial property that you have. We did get in this last bill a 20% cap on commercial property valued at five million, five million or less. So that was targeted to small businesses, a super important uh, bill. And then finally, we took the franchise tax, which is a business tax, and the exemption before this was about 1.3 million, and we raised it to 2.6 million. So there are 60,000 businesses, small businesses, that will pay zero in franchise tax now. And furthermore, they don't even have to do a remittance to the comptroller, which is a big deal on paperwork. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different things in those bills that were really important. Um, of that, you know, I would say the compression part and the, um, and the, um, the homestead being the most expensive parts of those, but it, it will have a lasting effect. On, on, on all of us and there's uh, something in the with future. second homes? Pardon me? There's something with second homes? Second homes is the 20% cap. Yeah. So the 20% oh, cap. Like if you had a second home, yeah. okay, let's just say you could have, I don't know, you could have a home on the coast. You could have a rental property right down here. It was your mother's house and you just are sentimentally, you're not going to sell it, but you don't want to live in it. There was no cap on that. They could go up 100%. Jimmy and I, y'all know we're business owners. We have Burger Kings. I mean, we have a piece of property in Montgomery County that went up 225%. You cannot make that up. Like, literally, Jimmy went to the tax office and said, I'll sell it to you for what you're appraising it at because I can't get that kind of money, okay? So what do we do? We beat it back down through the appeal process, the appraisal review process. Um, so that property... Now, well, they can't go up more than 20%. I'll tell you, right now, I'll take 20% mm -hmm. over 225%, wouldn't mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. um, and so this is important, okay? Mm -hmm. So there were a lot to those bills. Uh, and, again, if the county commissioner didn't know what we did, I was like, oh, I told my staff. I said, well, that's what I'm going to start off speaking about in every speech. Mm -hmm. So um, super, super, super important. There were a lot of other conservative wins uh, that, that we had. Um, you know, I, I, I will tell you that um, um, some of the things that um, I think are uh, important to, to discuss, we all have heard about school districts. How many of you know what DEI are and ESG? Yeah. You can't make all this stuff yeah. up, right? And this is a movement that's going uh, forward. But let's just stay with school districts right now. Um, we were able to pass uh, some bills uh, that um, are going to help us solve the library issue uh, and what was going on there. And I'm going to tell you all, I saw a book. The lieutenant governor had a book that said, this is one in one of our uh, school libraries. I, I could not look at it. 
Mm-hmm. I could not look at it. It, it was appalling. Mm-hmm. And so anybody that says that that wasn't going on, it, it, it is absolutely still going, going on. on. What's that? It's still going on. Mm-hmm. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I met with one of our SBOE members, uh, Tom Maynard. I think he covers uh, Bay County yeah. today. He and I had a long talk about HB 1605. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really good bill. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's giving the SBOE a little more, uh, we're going to kind of get back to controlling the uh, curriculum that's taught and even the assigned reading. He said, think about the English teachers. That is done by campus and a district. Assigned reading. Are you assigning books that are uh, classics about um, uh, Western civilization? What we were finding is that some of these woke people that have made their way into our school districts were saying, oh, that was written by white men. we got to get rid of that. And they were like inserting books that were written a year ago. Mm-hmm. There was no classics to that. Mm-hmm. And so 1605 gives the SBOE uh, the ability uh, to, to monitor and dictate assigned reading. That's a big deal. Furthermore... It gives two things. It's a parent portal so that the parent can go on and see exactly what is being taught in our school districts. And finally, there is an audit feature to that book, not only uh, to that uh, bill. So anyone can say, I think this is going on, trigger an audit to the school district or that campus. As, and, and we even funded that. So really, really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so we, we, we had a number of victories uh, in that regard. We also, of course, um, had uh, SB 17 pass. Uh, that is the DEI, that's diversity, um, equity, and inclusion, that had exploded on our university campuses. I mean, nobody had heard of this, uh, you know, four years ago. I mean, we had DEI offices. We had DEI requirements. And so basically, we had a bunch of money. We were going to give higher education. Dan Patrick said, you want this $800 million? This bill will pass. I mean, he said on that $800 million to the very end. And so uh, we're seeing the disbanding of the DEI offices across our campuses. Now, take a deep breath. They just rename them. We have to stay on top of it. This is like a whack-a-mole, that little game where the mole keeps going. You just keep whacking it down. I mean, and your arm can't get tired of whacking it down. You just got to stay with it, okay? But um, we, we definitely um, were able to do uh, some great things on that. Um, you know, way back when in 2017 when I carried uh, the Privacy Act, um, it was known as the bathroom bill. Everyone thought I was crazy. Everyone absolutely thought I was crazy, right? Some of you in this room might have thought I was crazy, okay? Um, that One person said to me, well, that is a solution looking for a problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? How are you feeling about that now, okay? Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that I always included in that was protecting women's sports. Mm-hmm. I did not think that men should be able to go into women's locker rooms or girls' bathrooms, and to this day I still believe that. And so over time we've been able to right the ship in Texas. And so this session, uh, S, uh, SB uh, 15 uh, protects, uh, uh, we did it in UIL, this bill protects girls and women's sports in our colleges and universities. Uh, and so um, what I like to say to, um, 
How's the Pac-12 doing right now up there on the West Coast? That's all I have to say. Gone. Implosion, okay? And so, uh, you know, we're, we're doing some things right, and we're standing in the gap. Even though y'all know that the California legislature, when we were doing uh, the Privacy Act in 2017, when we were protecting women's sports uh, in the follow-up of 2019 and 2021 and this, they said, we're not going to allow any of our universities to compete in Texas. Okay, great. Go ahead and implode. We're fine with that. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, I, I will tell you that standing in the gap and standing up for what's right, I'm telling you, I feel it in the air. We're starting to win. We're starting to turn it back. Uh, but but we cannot uh, grow weary on that. Uh, a few other things uh, that uh, I wanted to touch on uh, regarding, uh, I'm going to skip around here because I have so many pages. Um, I, I, as, as chair of Health and Human Services, uh, I, I, I want to jump straight into that and uh, tell you that um, this session was a session where we took some of your money and we made really big investments in mental health. Um, we uh, have a lot uh, that we're dealing with, even before COVID, but post-COVID, what we're seeing uh, with our children's behavior, what we're seeing uh, with people uh, from the lockdowns, uh, that they've really never recovered, uh, and they, they really struggle. Uh, some are going to be uh, recurring and long term. Um, some just need some help. So the lieutenant governor, when he was uh, on his, uh, when he was campaigning, he went on this bus tour and uh, he came out of that bus tour and he said, you know, he made the statement, we're going to invest in mental health like we never have before. And then he called me and said, hey, write the plan. Let me know how it goes. So um, I did. Uh, and and I'd like to say there at, uh, at Prairie Hill in Washington County, uh, our, our, our dining room table is pretty long because we have a pretty big family. And uh, Jimmy would walk in and go, what is all of this on our dining room table? And I go, it's the mental health plan for the state of Texas. Don't touch a piece of paper. Um, but through collaboration and a lot of work, um, what we've done with your uh, dollars, uh, you know, we've rebuilt the Rusk uh, Mental uh, Health Hospital, which is all forensic, okay? That is all forensic. Uh, we started on that in 2015. Um, and so through time, we're, we've rebuilt the Austin State Hospital. We've rebuilt the San Antonio State Hospital. Uh, but it was time for the next new iteration. And all of those are about to come online. Rusk is online. San Antonio will be this year. I think Austin is next year, even though they're still operating with their old facilities, okay? Um, so we took $2.321 billion, your dollars, and we said, okay, what do we need to do next? We're going to, Wichita Falls um, has a lot of beds offline. They can't get workers out there. Um, the, the slab is shifting. It's, it's, it's in horrific shape. Uh, we're literally going to scrape it, we're going to rebuild it, and we're going to rebuild it right size. It's going to be about 200 beds. Uh, that's an example. Terrell, uh, we're going to rebuild Terrell. But we're also going to add mental health hospitals. Uh, for District 18, uh, we are putting a 60-bed unit uh, down in Victoria, uh, which is a really big deal. And it will be used, um, it's 50% forensic, 50% civil. And why am I continuing to, to um, focus on forensic? When I did a pretty deep dive on this, 
the waiting list for our state mental health hospitals, and there, there are mental health hospitals that are private, and they're accessible you know, with your insurance, but we're talking about state hospitals. The waiting list for forensic, and that's non-MSU, which is non-maximum security units, which are the, you know, they're, they're not violent criminals, plus the maximum security units, and those are violent. This is somebody that's um, sitting in jail waiting to stand trial, but they have been deemed incompetent, so they have to have mental restoration. That waiting list was 2,500 sitting in your county jails waiting for competency restoration to then be able to stand trial. Now, I want to just tell you all, there are constitutional rights, and you have the right to stand trial. Okay, you do have the right to stand trial and be judged by your peers. You are innocent until proven guilty. You should not be sitting. I mean, the Victoria Sheriff told me that he had two people in his jail that have been waiting 800 days for a bed. So part of our requirement is we're gonna build these new hospitals is 50% have to be forensic. Most of them non-maximum security units, okay? We are doing some maximum security. We're doing some in Lubbock. We're doing some in El Paso. We're doing some down in the valley. And uh, for our sheriffs and law enforcement, you're gonna have to drive farther to do your maximum security. They're very expensive beds and they require very different personnel. Uh, than, than your non-MSU. But um, I am really thrilled. What Pardon does, me? What does forensic mean? Forensic means that you, uh, you're sitting in a jail waiting to, because you have been deemed as not competent to stand trial. Mm -hmm. So you can't even stand trial until you're, you have your competency restored. Now we have some in-jail competency programs that are going, but we have to attack this list. We have to attack this list. And so um, I, I, I'm really excited about what's going to happen over the next, and it's going to take seven to eight years to build out. Uh, but we are going to have beds where people can seek help. And we're also going to have beds that we can get people out of your jails that you are paying for with your county taxes sitting there. I mean, just sitting there waiting to stand trial so that they can either be proven guilty or not guilty and yeah. the appropriate action taken. So um, a big deal, I spent a great deal of my session. Now, um, you know, Rita, you mentioned some things uh, in our uh, dinner tonight. Um, I had a meeting with a, a gentleman today who's struggled with mental health all most of his life, most of his adult life. And he checks in with me every year or so and comes up with issues that he wants to talk about. He is, He's got a great job. He's doing great. But he told me, he said, you don't have enough mental health workers. And I said, absolutely, we do not. HB 400 that I uh, sponsored in uh, the uh, Senate uh, is going to allow us uh, to create a, a better mental health workforce. It's, it's very focused on that. Uh, SB um, 26 uh, that I, uh, I authored, uh, came out of my brain and my staff's brain, literally. Uh, SB 26 is going to look at some innovative grants that we work with local communities about uh, the mental health issue, especially specifically to the youth, uh, in making sure uh, that we can address uh, those 
problems. Um, that's going to have about $30 million attached to it. But the other part, Rita, that you brought up, uh, as you talked to me about knowing some people that have long-term mental health, SB 26 requires uh, a, a long-term mental health placement. When somebody leaves a hospital, and we just give them their meds and say, hey, take your meds, you'll be fine. Just, you know, where are they going to live? What are they going to do? I mean, like, many of them end up homeless. Um, some of them, as Rita described, someone barricaded uh, themselves in, in a home and, and, and killed themselves. They were lucky that, that, that we didn't kill someone else. So I am challenging, and this is going to go to nursing home facilities that do not, I mean, they have lots of vacancies. You don't commingle those populations, and that's protected on federal legislation. Uh, but we are going to come up with a long-term plan. You know, we, we used to have, they were called asylums. I'll just be honest with you, okay? But these were people that really could not function in our society. Oh, we did away with that. You, you know, everybody's going to be fine. It's kind of like the hug-a-thug thing. There are just certain people that are criminals. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are just certain people. I mean, they, they do not deserve to be in our society, right? Uh, the Democrats believe differently. I believe that there are certain people uh, that after they've harmed others to a certain extent, they shouldn't be. Um, and so uh, I'm optimistic. The things that I'm telling you all about, it doesn't happen like this. Mm -hmm. But we are putting in place um, some really good things. I also want to stay on uh, that, so that's SB 26. Um, my three really big bills, uh, other than the work that I did in the uh, budget and, and, and carrying a lot of other bills, uh, SB uh, 24 uh, and uh, SB 25. SB 25 is the, uh, what I call the nursing workforce shortage program. Uh, SB uh, 25 is uh, a bill that's going to aggressively uh, try to get people to go in the nursing profession, profession uh, open up the pipeline in our universities. Uh, we're going to have a scholarship program uh, for people to go into the nursing profession because uh, we have seen uh, where we are really suffering in that regard. Um, so important stuff there. And then SB 24. Now listen, I love this bill. I la 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 love SB 24, okay? And, and, and what is SB 24? We are in a post-Dobbs era. We are in a post-Dobbs era. And I don't know how many of you know what Dobbs is. It's the decisions from Supreme Court decision that each state can decide about abortion policies. And in Texas, we are, you know, the legislature has clearly said we are a pro-life state and that abortion is illegal in the state of Texas. So what are we doing for um, females that are giving birth? What what is what does the world look like in post Dobbs in a post Dobbs era? And I heard this as I traveled the district. You know, what are you going to do to make sure that that single mom is successful, or if the dad ends up with the child, how are they going to be successful? So uh, took it to heart. There was a, a pretty good program that we had that was called Alternatives to Abortion, okay? That over time, those of us that are pro-life had built up to like $100 million in the budget. And it was a lot of money. And it goes to, to, to organizations that try to help women. Um, they try to divert them from having a, an abortion. Well, it's illegal now. So, so what does the world look like? We don't need alternatives to abortion. What we need is to help 
families now, right? And so it was so funny because I was meeting with Governor Abbott one day, and he was talking about my priority bills, and he goes, well, tell me about this SB 24. And he goes, you know, i got to tell you something. When I was traveling on that campaign trail, nobody knows what alternatives to abortions are. I mean, he, it, nobody even knew what that was. You need a catchier name, Lois. And I was like, well, how about Thriving Texas Families? He goes, I like it. Um, and so we created a new program that's called the Thriving Texas Families Program. And um, it's going to take the Alternatives to Abortion Program uh, plus some new money. And it's going to do really, really good things um, to do some wraparound services, uh, again, uh, with, with women that choose life. You know, they, 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 they want life. They want to give birth to that child. And so I'm, I'm super excited. It goes to nonprofits. Uh, and how I wrote SB 24 uh, was that I allowed uh, religious organizations to be able uh, to apply for those. And so I, I really think that this SB 24 is a move-the-needle move uh, bill. I want to tell you that the left hated it. I mean, they hated it. But we... We persevered and plowed on and were able uh, to get the, the, those dollars done. And so um, there were uh, a number of the other bills that I can uh, touch on. Um, SB 22 um, is something for law enforcement, and it can positively impact Fayette County. Uh, SB 22 establishes grant programs to provide financial assistance to um, sheriff's offices and prosecutor offices and constables in rural counties. Uh, and and that, that kind of came out of, again, Governor Patrick traveling and realizing that some of our sheriffs, some of our constables, uh, some of our prosecutors, uh, I mean, they were making, I mean, this much money by putting their life on the line every day. And so uh, we're working uh, with our, our local counties. We've had a uh, a, a meeting uh, with the Fayette County judge uh, and and uh, we uh, in his office, his staff, uh, to implement the implementation of SB 22, which uh, I think Fayette County is uh, set to receive $350,000 to supplement those salaries. A big deal, uh, and and I'm I'm really excited. Now the same county commissioner goes, "Why'd y'all do that?" I was like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> I was like, are you a Republican? Uh, I didn't say that to this county commissioner. Again, it's not in Fayette County. Uh, but, like, this is, like, difficult. This is what we're dealing with here. And that I said, because y'all are always telling us that your budget is so tight, and the one thing that we don't want you to skimp on is our law enforcement. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is super important. And, and, and so um, I, I, I'm, I'm really uh, tickled to see SB uh, 22 I was happy to be a, a co-sponsor on that. Um, I will say too that um, in this budget, uh, we have $5 billion for border control, uh, for border efforts. And this is difficult. I mean, like, I don't know what else to say, but the Biden administration fights us and Mexico fights us. So you know what, we must be doing something right. Uh, like those buoys in the river, Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm all about that because, y'all, the dirty little secret was if somebody swims halfway across the river, they are in America. And all they have to do is claim asylum, and they're good to go. I mean, they're good to go. 
So um, the uh, things that we're doing, uh, we've passed some bills on criminal trespassing, uh, on uh, being able to identify and charge um, some of these cartels uh, as um, uh, violent criminals, enhance some penalties on this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but again, we are sued all the time by the federal government saying you can't do that. You know, they're, they're, and Mexico now is saying, oh, the buoys are over the line. It's, it's really on Mexico's side. And so, listen, you know we're doing something wrong, right when Mexico gets involved, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the Biden administration's goal is to have a wide open border. Mm -hmm. And it is wide open. Yeah. Uh, and, and people are coming across here uh, where, uh, whether it's the fentanyl crisis, the human trafficking, how many of you have seen Sound of Freedom? Mm -hmm. I don't think I yeah. can watch it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, it, it makes you very, it, 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 it's introspective. Um, I love that Lois Kate made us go see it. She's, you know, she's back and forth from Dallas to here, and, and uh, that work from home thing is weird. Uh, but she, I mean, that's what they do. They, mm -hmm. they do that. And she said, we're going. And it, it, it was, it, it'll make you uncomfortable in the fact that you, what she said when we left was, how can we do more? And mom, you're in a position to do more. And it's way worse than the movie portrayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was five oh, years ago. Oh, 100 percent. Years ago. I mean, y'all, this this goes to the highest level, and it's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, whether you, you want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein or you want to talk about the border or whatever, uh, we have to we have to fight evil. We have to continue to fight evil. And so, um, the five billion dollars that we have in the budget on border. Um, you know, we have some great sheriffs down in Senate District 18. I mean, like, we're not, I'm not a border, I'm not a border senator, but I will tell y'all that uh, we are affected by this. So uh, the uh, uh, Lone Star operation that, that we have going on, um, just the other day, it was, uh, Andrew, it wasn't this week, it was last week in Refugio County where they were able to catch like 12, I mean, like they, they, they had 12, there was one coyote and 12 uh, young men. Have you ever noticed they're always young men? Yeah. So, so um, you know, we, we do have uh, some good work going on out there where we're catching some, but uh, we're not always uh, catching all of them. Um, I also uh, want to say, do we have any retired teachers in the room? All right. Well, congratulations. Um, Y'all, um, we had an excellent uh, year for uh, retired teachers. Uh, a 13th check to retired teachers over 75. Uh, and then we also did a COLA adju adjustment that has to be approved in the constitutional amendment. I don't know what amendment number that is. I have it I think somewhere it's in four. here. Four? So there was a COLA. No, four, four is uh, the property tax. Oh. Um, so there was a COLA adjustment? What's that? The COLA adjustment. Uh-huh. Uh, the COLA adjustment is, oh, here we go. It's a uh, proposition number. Uh, so uh, that, that is a major investment by the people of Texas into our retired teachers. Uh, many of which deserve it. And the reason that we targeted the, the 70 and over uh, with a little bit more money is because so many of those, those people retired 
their base salary back then was 25000 I mean, starting teacher in most of our school districts, I know just right down the road at Brim ISD, starting teacher, I saw this the other day, 52000 mm -hmm. I mean, 50, 60 where? In Houston. It's crazy. I mean, it's good money. Uh, and so that's why we uh, targeted the older teachers, but cost of living adjustment uh, for all of you. Uh, super excited about that. Uh, and so... A um, couple other things that I I I, I want to uh, touch on. And well, then how, how's I'll take that COLA um, funded? Now, Cindy, you think you run this meeting? There's no <laughs> Q and A yet. <laughs> <laughs> she moves to Fayette County. and She takes over the meeting. What's your question? I'm sorry. How's that COLA funded? How, the, through, the cost of living increase? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. through tax dollars. All of us yeah. in this room. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not it's not put on the current teachers. This okay. is a pure payout from the state of Texas. Okay. The okay. taxpayers of Texas. Mm -hmm. So, um, giving it to the teachers. Uh, mm -hmm. Giving it to those that made a uh, great investment uh, in us all those years ago. Uh, finally, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, there, there, there's a lot here, but uh, I, I do, I do want to touch on some things that, uh, oh yeah, uh, SB 12 on the uh, uh, drag shows and some of the things that we did for the drag show. Gosh, guys, when, when did all of that get started? I mean, was that crazy? We have to pass bills to stop that so that children can't go to drag shows? I mean, yeah, this, it just, it was like it happened overnight. Uh, that, that, that this, you know, push forward by the left and, and uh, by, you know, some of these being, you know, I, I call it like I see it, Marxist uh, initiatives. Um, the electrical grid, uh, you know, it's a miracle that we're holding this together. Yeah. It is a miracle yeah. that we are holding. Can I say this again? It is a miracle that we have held this together with these kind of temperatures, okay? And, and I, I just want to tell you all that it was quite a fight, but we got, we got some legislation. Again, it is not going to correct anything overnight, okay? We, we, we do have some things and some tools in the toolbox that we're using right now. But some of you in this room may be great with renewables. I think they have their place, but there is too much renewables coming online. Mm -hmm. Texas is number one in the nation on wind power. We're number two in solar, and the governor said yesterday by next year we'll be number one in wind and solar. That's not a number one we want to be. It's all subsidized. It's 100% subsidized with your federal dollars and it was subsidized by chapter 313s in our own budget thank goodness we killed that that's done i mean last year i led the way before you were there stan i led the charge on killing that okay so we have fixed that part of it but with all of the federal dollars guys they can build it and not make money and still make money okay so i had a little bill it's called senate bill 620 Loved that bill. La la la. Loved that bill. It started out a little too harsh. Had six twenty. Had to make some changes along the way. I'm telling you, what it just basically said was pretty simple. You you have to do an environmental impact on these wind and solar farms, and you you have to uh, get approval by the PUC. It was pretty simple. Oh my gosh! I want y'all to know that maybe probably the most powerful lobby group in 
the state of Texas now is wind and solar renewable. It was unbelievable. Stan, I didn't even get a hearing in state affairs. This was a great bill. I mean, it was a great bill. I'm going to give you an example why it was such a good bill. Had a um, senator that's been in the Senate longer than me, very distinguished from uh, East Texas, called me two weeks ago. He said, Loss, you had a bill. And he said, I supported it, but I didn't support it enough. He said, let me tell you what's happening in East Texas. And he said, you know, I, I, he said, you know, you go to the local bankers, local bankers know everything. They know what's going on in the community. He said, and I've been approached by some of the local bankers about some stuff that's going on. And he said this, he said, I'm going to give you one example. A family, it's, uh, the, the, they're some of the largest landowners in the state of Texas. They own a lot of the land in East Texas. He said, you know, they're, they're, you know, East Texas timber. He said, they've been timber farmers for three, four generations. He said, they have just leased their property 7,000 acres that will be clear cut. It will be clear cut and it will be a solar farm now. And he said, you cannot tell me that this does not impact the environment. And I go, well, Robert, Senate Bill 620. And he goes, I know it. It was a good bill. He said, I'm going to work with you next session. He said, this is crazy. He said, you know, this is going to impact the runoff and, you know, what. And I go, well, Robert, do you know that they spray all those solar panels with chemicals? He goes, what? And I go, that's how they clean them. You know, like, like your windshield. The solar panels are no different than your windshield. Uh, you know, they get dusty, right? They just collect stuff. I mean, the... They just collect stuff, and then they clean them with, uh, with, with chemicals. Where does that, when it rains, and the runoff from that, where does it go? You cannot tell me that 7,000 acres of panels does not impact our environment. So it was so interesting when I laid this bill out. I, I'm going to tell you all this in an animated way. I laid this bill out, okay? And in the Senate, we're pretty scripted, except for me. But um, I want to tell you all that I said, you know, Usually conservationists and uh, environmentalists are together on things. Mm -hmm. Conservationists, they love the wildlife. They, they, mm -hmm. they, 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 they love to con you know, the conservation of our land, right? And environmentalists usually are right there. I cannot understand why I'm about to lay out a bill that the conservationists are right there with me. I mean, the Devil's River, where they're putting up all those wind turbines and they're going to ruin one of God's most beautiful natural rivers down there, way down in South Texas, okay, Southwest Texas. And I said, but no, today I'm going to lay out this bill. And the conservationists, and I see them out in the room, they've traveled hundreds of miles to be here today to testify for this bill, are going to be for this bill, and the environmentalists are going to be against it. And you cannot explain this to me. And it was true. It was just as I scripted, right? Mm -hmm. Because the environmentalists just say, oh, renewables, renewables, renewables. Let's get away from fossil fuels. Oh. Guys, what? Read the things that, that you know, as, as, as someone told me just yesterday, when the, when the solar panels are no longer useful, which, by the way, the solar panels all use rare earth materials, just like batteries do. How do you get rare earth materials? You mine them, right? That makes punching a little China hole in the earth look like nothing. I mean, that makes it look like nothing. And so this, this 
absolute lie that we've been told. And again, do I think renewables have a place? They do. They just shouldn't represent over 50% of our, our grid, okay? And so I just want y'all to know that Senate Bill 620 um, was an important bill uh, that did not get passed. I actually even put it on the PUC Sunset, Public Utilities Commission Sunset Bill, in the Senate to try to send it back over, and it got stripped off in conference. In fact, it was the lightning rod of, of the entire conference committee. It was amazing, okay? So we have a lot of work to do in that. So let me, let me say yesterday, in the, it was a symposium, really. It was at the University of Texas. It was hard for this horn frog to be at UT. I know I have some <laughs> UT friends in the room. I had to sit next to the president of the University of Texas at Austin. We actually were kind to each other. I don't know if any of y'all seen my viral video where I put him in his place about how many times TCU's beat him in football. But anyway, so we're, we, we've made, made up and we're friends. But um, it was, uh, this is important. This was um, talking about uh, nuclear energy. And you know that nuclear energy has a very small carbon footprint, okay? But it's dispatchable. And I just want to tell y'all, you're going to hear about dispatchable all the time. I call it baseload. And I was so happy that the uh, president and CEO of uh, Dow Chemical called it baseload too. And he's out of uh, Michigan. Uh, Dow Chemical is based in Michigan, uh, but they have very big operations in Texas, one of which is in Senate District 18. Uh, and uh, so he, um, he talked about uh, dispatchable baseload. What does that mean? That means that it is always there. It is always there. It does not depend on the wind blowing or the sun shining. Now, there, you can go on the ERCOT website and you can find out what the mix of, uh, what the mix of, uh, where's my phone? Um, what the mix of what we're using. Yesterday, when the governor was speaking, he said, somebody pull it up on their phone. Well, I will tell y'all at the time, um, wind and solar only represented 12% of the electricity being used at two o'clock yesterday afternoon. Natural gas was 57%. Natural gas is dispatchable, okay? Now, we have a coal fire plant right out here, and we're, we're kind of starting to phase out coal uh, because of uh, the harms of uh, the atmosphere, but we, we are way ahead of, what is it right now? Solar is 1.5% because why? What's happening out there? The sun is setting. So in another hour, this is what solar is going to represent for all of you. The 7,000 acres that are being clear cut tonight, this is what will, it will put on the ERCOT grid. Absolutely zero, right? So I told you all I have a big lake in my backyard, right? You know, Jimmy and I live in the country. No, it's, I don't have a swimming pool. My, I don't swim in the lake. I fish in that lake, okay? And my test is always this. When I wake up in the morning and that lake is placid, I go, uh-oh, uh-oh, there is no wind. I mean, like, no wind, right? And so dispatchable is, it is there. Natural gas, coal, nuclear, it is there. Now, some people want to say batteries are dispatchable. I do not disagree. If we can get to the technology one day that batteries can store more than two hours, more than two hours of energy, I'll agree with you. But the other thing that I have a problem with is Russia and China and their aggression own all of the rare earth materials. This is a bad deal for all of us, okay? So here's the thing that happened yesterday. 
I've been hearing a lot about, they're called small modular reactors. SMRs is what you're going to keep hearing about. And literally, um, is it uranium? What, what, what uranium. does, is it uranium? Uranium. Yeah, okay. You know, it used to be the big rods that you'll see. We have two big, we, we have STP down in Matagorda that I used to represent in Grantbury, right? And the rods and all that stuff. We have advanced technology where it's going to be a little ball. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I want you all to know that the first ones that are going to be built in the United States of America are going to be in Senate District 18. Wow. Right down there at Sea Drift with a partnership with Dow and X Energy. And here's the best part of X Energy. X Energy, their CEO lives right here in Dallas, Texas. He went to Texas Tech University and went to law school at the University of Texas at Austin. How awesome is that, right? <laughs> and so um, the discussion yesterday was great. This is what I loved hearing from the Dow CEO. He's the chairman and CEO, actually, not the president. He's the chairman and CEO. He's an older gentleman. And as the moderator discussed, and he was an older professor from, uh, from the University of Texas at Austin. He grew up in Missouri, which he, they all call Missouri. Uh -huh. And so, does, so did the Dow uh, president, uh, CEO and chairman, right? And they both grew up in rural Texas, uh, rural Missouri, right? And then you fast forward to look at the other panelists who grew up in Amarillo and went to Texas Tech. What I loved having during this discussion, they were all small rural people, mm -hmm. and they I, I loved the discussion. I'm just going to tell y'all because we're all from from the country. I mean, there's something about rural people. I mean, you know, they're, 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 they just know who and what they are. This is what the president, I mean, sorry, the chairman and CEO of Dow said. He said these small nuclear, uh, the small rot, uh, modular reactors, SMRs, hold such great promise for inexpensive dispatchable energy. And he said that... It is so important that we push forward on this," he said, "because you're reducing your um, you're reducing your carbon footprint while also having very affordable generation." This was what the chilling the chilling statement was, and this is the fight. I could talk about any policy you want, but this is the real fight. Okay, he said that only Europe and America are reducing their carbon footprints, only. He said, while China and India are increasing their carbon footprints. And he said, if you look at Europe, their GDP is going down. America is the only country that has reduced its carbon footprint while the GDP is still rising. But he said, if we're not careful, that's not going to happen. And so he said, what we're doing is we're not even offsetting what they're doing in China and in Russia. I mean, China and, and India. And, and, and we, he and I had a long talk afterwards. And so this is what's going to be curious to me, is to see if the Fed agencies approve these SMRs quickly. Because I, I, I just want you all to know that there are some people in our country that work at the highest levels that do not want us to be successful. Mm -hmm. They want to pull down America while we're watching China rise. Mm -hmm. And so that is a perfect 
segues into the last bill I'll cover before I take questions. It's called Senate Bill 147. And it was a bill that I uh, crafted in the Texas Senate that said that the uh, countries listed on the, uh, uh, by the Director of National Intelligence on the threat assessment report that is given out annually cannot buy land in, in Texas. They cannot buy rare earth materials. They cannot own rare earth materials. They cannot own timber. And they cannot own our oil and gas. I want you all to know that this is probably one of the most important bills that I have ever carried. Proof in the pudding, okay? Man, I'm telling you, there were protests everywhere, all organized. You're not going to believe what happened this morning. Y'all are the first to know this, okay? And there's going to be a big article that comes out about this. Um, we'll probably send it out in an e-newsletter when it's printed. Unbeknownst to me, a reporter calls Andrea, our comms director, and says, I'd like to meet with the senator about Senate Bill 147. You know, we, you know, we don't have a lot of friendly mainstream media out there, so we cut the column up pretty good. Anyway, she said, well, I have some intelligence reports that I want to share with her. And I was like, got my curiosity up. I said, bring her into the office, Andrea. And so she did. And she came with an intelligence officer, uh, retired. And she said, we have proof now that um, you were targeted and the Texas legislature was targeted uh, to make sure that Senate Bill 147 did not pass and it came straight from the CCP. Straight from the CCP. And I mean, she read me her article that's going to come out, and it was chilling. I mean, it's very technical. It gets into all, because she's one of these reporters that's not left or right. She does all of her references and things like this. And I said, well, you're, I'm not surprised, because I know. I mean, I know. They were organized. I mean, when they came to testify, these are not normal people. Mm -hmm. These are not just people saying, I'm against this bill. It was very organized. She says it came straight from the CCP. She said, if you are against Senate Bill 147, then you are an agent of 147. Now, I'm glad to say that Stan supported it. He was very supportive. But that bill gets to the House and does not get a hearing. That is a killer. I mean, that bill should have passed. In fact, so much so that this reporter said to me that there are going to be a number of people that really push for it to be added in the special session. Uh, because it is hugely important. And so I, 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 have, I have to say this, that, um, you know, as, as, as time goes on, I, you know, because of the work I did in mental health and uh, the primary uh, care physicians are honoring me with the Legislator of the Year and all that stuff, that's all great, okay, wonderful. But the award that I'm most proud of uh, this year is being on the Texas Monthly Worst List. <laughs> and I, 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 I am not I am not kidding y'all okay I am on the Texas monthly worst list because of Senate bill 147 because I believe in national security because I believe that wind and solar is too much a part of our grid and I'm trying to protect the grid and number three, which I haven't even gotten to, I believe in medical freedom, that you should decide if you should be vaccinated or not, and you shouldn't lose your job over that, okay? Literally, those are the three bills that they cite me for being on the worst list, while there are three members on the best list that carried my bills that got on the list for being the best. You can't make this stuff up. And so with that, uh, I just want you all to know that we live in a, Kind of a crazy world, and you have to be brave. 
We talked about this at dinner. You have to be brave. It's you have in, to be heard. It's an inverted world when this woman is called Craven. Craven! I mean, you got you But, but the smartest person in the building. My son did call me. It's in this dictionary, Craven, probably. Yeah. But I, I read that article and I said, these people in the Texas Monthly are whack. Well, unfortunately, it's a bunch of young reporters, and they just go to the lobbyist, and they get their opinion. So I do want you all to know that I had a Democrat um, lawmaker that came to me, and uh, a senator, and she, she called me the day that it came out. And she said, I just want you to know that I think you're one of the best. She said, I, I, and I, you and I don't always agree. She said, you are the most prepared senator that, other than her, she's pretty good um, from the left side. But um, she said, you're always prepared. You listen. You really listen to both sides. And you always have great input. It meant a great deal to me that she reached out to me. But uh, my other favorite phone call that day or the next day, whenever, was from uh, Jimmy and I were out of town for like uh, a nanosecond because I was still in special session, but we had two days off. And um, Jake called me and he goes, Mom, Mom, you're on the Jake, my 20-year-old son, our 20-year-old son who's turning 21 on September the, the, the 10th, um, he said, Mom, Mom, you're on the worst list. I said, yes, Jake, I know. <laughs> I get you. Um, I, 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 I said it's not the first time. It's actually the second time. And um, he said, yep. He said, but they say you're the smartest person in the building. He said, that's pretty cool, Mom. <laughs> uh, so uh, having said that is, uh, you know, you can't, you can't make this up. So I'm craving and intelligent and... I'm craving and intelligent uh, for the Constitution, uh, our freedoms, our liberties, uh, love of country. Uh, when this reporter came to me today, she said, I, can I ask you how many generations you are from, from Texas? And I go, six. Mm -hmm. I said, um, you know, I had a three great-grandfather that uh, fought at the battle, uh, or he was only 13 years old. He was a messenger to Sam Houston. And she goes, you can't make this up. So while your three great-grandfather, three times removed grandfather, was fighting for Texas's freedom, you continue to carry the mantle and fight a, a, a world power uh, in China. Mm -hmm. uh, you were in the meeting, and that's what she said. And she said, I'd really like to follow up and, and do a feature on this. And I said, absolutely. But this is the thing that I have to tell you all all. I know there's not a ton of young people in here. I, hey, listen, the, the, 60 is the new 40 and 70 is the new 50, okay? But, but we have to continue to encourage our young people to understand that, 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 that there's some issues and that they have been indoctrinated. Uh, and and, and they're, they're trying to parse out what's right and wrong. Elon Musk uh, taking over, buying Twitter, was a good break for us mm -hmm. because you actually can seek another side to it. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you know, I often do Facebook, and we know when we're suppressed, you know, when I bring up China and why they shouldn't be able, or Russia or Iran or North Korea. Who would, who wants a Russian oligarch to come over here and buy a bunch of our land or our apartment buildings? Mm -hmm. And I do want you all to know that China has infiltrated us to a degree that you would be very fearful. The, the intelligence reports that I get scare me so much. But it's not over. It's not over. And that's why we have to be brave and bold. And you have to be able to be lonely, to be on the worst list, mm -hmm. to be the only no vote, to be the only no vote on a bill.
uh, to be able uh, to, you know, uh, go to even one of your Republican colleagues in the Senate and say, I'm going to eviscerate you if you try to bring this bill up because it's bad. Uh, this is corporate welfare, and I'm going to kill your bill in front of all these people. He didn't bring that bill to the floor. Um, you know, you, you, you have to be willing to do that. Uh, even to, to people, yeah, this is a great member. I, I, I really like him a lot. But he just, he, he didn't see this bill correctly. And I mean, when you have Robert Nichols and Lois Kolkhorst against you, you probably shouldn't bring the bill to the floor in, in a way that, you know, it just wasn't a bill that was good for y'all. And that's, that's what drives me, is what would the people back home think? And so we have a lot of mountains to climb. I'll add, I don't want to keep you all all night, but I want to answer some of your questions. Um, we um, have a, a lot of good things uh, to do. And, and I know, you know, I see Craig in the background and stuff. Um, you know, there's some things going on here in Fayette County. Uh, and, and I do uh, want to uh, address uh, some of the things that um, we, we've been able to do uh, for... Um, rural uh, rural health care and um, over the last three sessions slowly but surely I've kind of mounted a lot of money in reimbursements uh, for Medicaid that's the thing that I can affect the most uh, and I've gotten uh, birth you know like I'm, I'm a big person on I, I, I want people to be able to give birth they don't have to go to Houston to give birth when they're healthy babies they can give birth in rural Texas and uh, I've gotten that up to $1,500 for rural hospitals and add on to that. Uh, this last session, uh, I, uh, uh, I enhanced the uh, Medicaid rate uh, reimbursements for medical hospitals, an additional $138 million. Uh, out of kind of the crisis that LaGrange <coughs> is going through, uh, I created a new fund of $50 million that are going to be grants uh, for rural hospitals uh, that are enhancements to uh, some of the work that they're doing and so uh, there's 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 a lot of things that are uh, going on uh, in that regard and seemingly we've staved off some 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 closures uh, in uh, rural Texas this one's pretty unique um, I'm I haven't minced words about um, the hospital with uh, C CHC and the mismanagement of it uh, leadership matters. I'm going to write a book one day when I get out of office. Leadership matters. It matters in your family. It matters uh, on your school board. It matters uh, at your church. It matters in all parts of your life. And I told Andrea driving here, I said, you know, there's not a night, <laughs> Jimmy, we never do this. We write to watch sports or Fox News and sleep a little bit. And I'm always reading or doing something else. We started this kind of series, I don't know. And I don't do that, but it's kind of interesting a little bit. Jimmy says, you got to just have a little diversion, Lois. I, I literally at night say to myself, I don't have time to watch 30 minutes of that, whatever that series is. I need to be, or that documentary, I've got to be studying. I've got to be working. Um, it takes a lot of work to keep your communities on track. It takes a lot of work to make good decisions. You don't always make the good, right decisions. I, I have votes that I've made that I, I really regret as a more mature, wise lawmaker um, that I look back and go, ooh, I was so naive back then. Whoa. I mean, I just, I didn't understand what was really happening. And I, I, I try to, 
you know, Wayne Gretzky skated to where the puck was. That's what you got to try to do in your communities, in your families, in your churches. You know, try to be a good leader. Uh, Deborah, you fought the good fight with so many good people. I mean, you know, Deborah says, I'm going to quit. I said, no, you're not. Shut up. You know? um, I'm going to quit. I'm just tired. I go, you're not going to quit. I mean, just, just keep going. I mean, keep going until you just can't go anymore. And, and, and I mean, like, you know, it, 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 contributing takes on different ways. Uh, and it, it, it just can, but, but do something, do a little bit extra. I'm, I'm after Lois Kate right now, you know, she's a young professional and I am, I am after her. Where are you volunteering? I want to see that list, Lois Kate. I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And it's kind of hard in Dallas because she doesn't know anybody. I said, well, if you move back to Fort Worth right. where you went to school if you have to, right? But I said, you've got to give back. You've got to give back because we're going to wake up just like we have. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know about some of you, but sometimes I wake up in my own church and go, what happened to my church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up, you know, in, in different communities and I go and I say, what, what's happened here? You know, in, in Fredericksburg, they're bringing in, um, and something Stan and I've worked on, uh, they're bringing in so many migrant children uh, that they're, they're, they have a foreign company that was gonna come in and do mental health operations. Um, Chip Roy is gonna show up there next week and say, you're not gonna do this. Mm-hmm. But how does that happen? It happens with voices. It happens with people saying, something's not right here. Something's not right. Can you look into this? Can you help me with this? I, I'll do some of the legwork for you. So that's what I just want to say to y'all. Um, you know, I, I can go through a long list of, of things that didn't pass this last session. We've got to get better about that. The House and Senate need to work better together. Um, the House needs to not be scared of the Democrats. They've got the majority. Roll over them. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Patrick does that all the time. But we're nice mm-hmm. to them. Um, we, we get along with them. Occasionally we let them pass a bill. <laughs> Once in a while, I mean, not very often, they complain about that, and I'm like, "We're in the majority party. This is how this rolls." I mean, but I, you know, I, I'd say to my friend Royce West, "Look at kinship and the rates that I just got increased for you. I did that for you, Royce, and your passion that you believe that children shouldn't be taken to their from their home, and when they are, they should be placed with a family." And I agree with you. So there are some really good things that we can agree on. Uh, there's a couple of senators that don't agree with anything, but that's okay. We just roll over them. Mm-hmm. There are some. So we've got to get better. And we, but Texas, man, guys, it is the tip of the spear. It is, it, 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 it is the tipping point for the nation. So with that, I'll take any questions. Yes, ma'am. Do you know anything about Abbottville? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's in. Is that a, a real? That's it's a real in thing. not Liberty County, but is that it, it was Liberty? I, it is Liberty County. Uh, what she's talking about is a migrant uh, housing operation. Um, hey, Stan, we're asked to ca- carry a lot of muds. We got to be real careful. Um, I'm planning on going and visiting it. It's not in Senate District 18. Stone's throw from us, so one county between us, I believe. But I'm going over there. So is that Colony Ridge? Yeah, I, I think that's the same thing. I've seen several different, different, different articles it's about Cleveland, it. It's in Cleveland. It's, it's not in Cleveland, but it's affecting Cleveland schools. Yeah, yeah they've doubled something like twenty thousand 
illegal immigrants are supposed it's to be, a housing be given residency yeah. there. This is a great example. Stay engaged with your local community. I have one community. They've never seen a tax credit housing project they didn't love. We have one here. And I, what well, one is great. I mean, like they're they're coming. And I mean, you have to you have to be especially when it's not for the uh, elderly, when it's just general population. You can swim across the rivers, avoid the buoys, and be in that housing the next day. Yeah. But excellent question. Yes. Um, I want to let you know one thing they put in our local paper, they put that article about you being the worst uh -huh. legislation, they put that in our paper. Yep. And Deborah and Cindy wrote articles. I saw. There were going to be a whole lot of others. And another thing I read today, Travis Air Force Base in uh, California is surrounded by an unknown yes. $800 million. Yes. Completely surrounded. Completely surrounded this Air Force base. And it's a developer nobody can find out because they're in Delaware. This is, this is got to stop. Uh, so 140,000 uh, acres down in South Texas uh, next to Laughlin Air Force Base, uh, bought by uh, a former uh, CCP uh, uh, officer uh, of their uh, uh, army. Um, so yes, it's happening, and this reporter is going to do a series of of reports, and uh, so um, you know my office, uh, our small operation went through a lot. I mean, when Abbott tweeted, "Get this bill to my desk and I'll sign it," and that was the day before. No, it was two days before his inauguration. It, it really thrust us into a, a national light situation where. You know, I'm busy trying to get my bills filed and working on Senate finance, and then I've got, you know, all this other stuff going on. But we, we stood in the gap, and we stood tall and strong, and I really wish that that bill, I had gotten it to the place. There was almost, there was almost an identical bill in the House. He, um, uh, his name will come to me. Um, he was tracking my bill and would change his bill as my bill changed because, I, again, I was kind of the tip of the spear, you know, taking... Uh, input and uh, that was not an easy bill even with Republicans because they go oh this is a private property rights issue I don't want to get into private property rights I was like so you want our enemy countries to buy up our food sources our timber uh, you know so um, Senate Bill 147 there's other states that are passing different iterations Senate Bill 147 is completely superior to those other ones. They don't touch oil and gas. They only do farmland. This is pretty tough stuff, uh, Senate Bill 147. Yes, sir. Senate Bill 22, they said, for the one for law enforcement, when you read the bill, it's styled like a grant, but they're telling us that y'all are telling them to treat it like an entitlement, like it's going to be a permanent thing. In your mind, is that the yeah. intent of so, that so, to be a so, permanent so, program? This is how I always say, because you can't, you cannot, uh, you cannot, commit other legislatures is a two-year budget right so just like your county budget is two years uh, one year right. just I mean it's one year okay you would like to but that's not a guarantee it's coming back in two years but this is how I'm gonna say this to you do you really think we're gonna cut law enforcement it's kind of like the teacher pay raise I was like do you really think we're just gonna say oh here's 8,000 now it's not so okay. I, I will tell you that it would be um, it'd be pretty tough to not fund that in the next budget now, if we have Armageddon and we don't have any money and we're just trying to get people food, I mean, 
I mean, it could happen that there is a major crash, uh, and we would take a vote. But it is in statute now, and so that it's not just a budget item; it is a statute. So it's a good point. I know there's a, we go here, and then we'll go here. You know, on your bill for the solar panels and things like that, is there a remediation by the owner if they leak into other land? No, there's nothing. So that's what needs to be in there. It's, it, you know, it was kind of a part of it. There was going to have to be these environmental impacts, which is kind of a broad way of getting, oh, yeah, no, there's nothing. They can literally build up, you know, like oil and gas, you have to be so many feet. I have any yeah. oil and gas people in the room. You have to be so many feet off the, the line, even though you're pooled. Oh, no, they can, they can. if uh, if this is your face on, they can uh, put that solar panel right there. I mean, there's no setbacks on wind turbines. Like, they could fall on your house. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it is, it is the wild, wild west. We have allowed it, and it's ridiculous. But the most powerful lobby right now in Austin is the renewable What about lobby. disposable uh, wind generators there forever polluting the soil? Well, yeah, where do you where do you bury the wind turbines? Well, you read, read the scientific information about their makeup, and then when their their life expectancy is not that long either. Uh, where do we put the wind turbines? You're going to bury it, and it's going to leach into uh -huh, the soil. Right. It's going to make oil and gas look like the new green energy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not that oil and gas is is uh, you know some saint, but they they've gotten pretty good through the years. The minerals that are required to produce that stuff are not so renewable. There's not enough rare earth minerals okay. to produce and all the batteries that they want to put in the electric Absolutely. Cars and and what what has Russia and China done? Probably China not. very aggressively gone into Africa, right? And then they recently sanctioned the U.S. and nobody can sell rare earth minerals to the U.S. is what I've heard. How about uh, you all have the to check forages in China that they've got? I just saw a video of them showing all these cars they're just sitting in the fields. Where is this? So. Where is this? In China. What are they doing? They're just sitting Cars there. they can't sell. Oh, wow. They're just rocking there. Are they, they electric? They cannot use them. Are they electric? Yes. And, and, and I have to tell you one other thing. Texas has 16 of the 17 rare earth materials. We, we were really such a unique state. And that's why I added rare earth materials. Uh, to uh, Senate Bill 147. So there's a chance that could still pass. Um, it would have to be added to the call when we go back for school finance, and um, it would uh, it would have to be added to the call. 147. Senate Bill 147. So you got one of those fancy pads. I really want one of those. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the investment. Tell me what that is when you leave. Yes, sir. Earlier you briefly touched on federal funding. But we all know that all the federal funding has to go from the state to the federal government to come back. My main question is, your opinion, and, and Stan can weigh in on this also, what percentage of the time is the Texas legislature fending off the overreach of the federal government? Well, I can tell you as chair of Health and Human Services and the Article II uh, chair, uh, a lot. I mean, we're always told what we can do with our federal money and what we can't do, and uh, it's very frustrating because it's your money, 
And, I, you know, I, I way back when asked the federal government to block grant the Medicaid money and just let us handle it. And it's actually a Reagan idea. Ronald Reagan, uh, back in the 1980s, told Congress, we can't afford where Medicaid is going. He said, you should block grant the money to the states, let them figure it out, and give them, like, you, you, you tie it to some kind of inflationary number. And he said, let them do it. And he said, they'll figure it out. They'll innovate. And what would have really happened was that would have been great for health care because we have all these third-party payers. Nobody knows what health care costs, so you're really not incented to stay yeah. healthy. Uh, you're not incented to know to, to go to different places and say, I'm sorry, what does that MRI cost? Yeah. Unless you're in a health savings account or you pay cash. I just guessed it. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, Craig. Senator, first of all, uh, thank you very much for your comments on the library. That means a ton to me and also on mental health. Uh, but tonight we've got our Chief Strategy Officer, Sam Wilson, and our Chief uh, Financial Officer, Brian Biggs. Our hospital uh, is in a desperate situation, as you know, and we're running out of time quick. We need to sit down with you quickly and figure out what are some of these resources you're talking about and how do we get those deployed now. Uh, we run a board meeting tonight, the reason we came in a little bit late, and uh, we, we don't have months or weeks, we have days and hours left before we lose one of our most vital resources and probably our most important job creator here in Bay County, and I need your help badly. So in, in most of that money is a, a September 1 launch date, um, and so um, Andrea, let's see when we can get with them, but I, I need Maureen, and Maureen is very briefed on this. Mm -hmm. um, she has uh, pretty good resources. Is CHC backed out of it? Are they gone? We will become the sole corporate member uh, when the transition happens. That transition has not happened yet, but they will be extricated and we will replace them. In, Who in owns the, the hospital? Does Nonprofits don't own hospitals. Uh, Nonprofits don't own anything, but uh, CHC has the ability to accept or reject any recommendation by the board, to add or remove board members by any time. And in short, they have total control, which is tantamount to ownership. And are y'all trying to buy it from them? We will replace them as the sole corporate member uh, when this when this transition happens. It's a complicated uh, structure. Our chief strategy officer can fill you in. Well, I've looked at y'all's structure. Away. They're going to walk yeah. away. They are going to walk away, and they've agreed to leave one point four four million on the table of doing so. Yeah. Um, they've actually been extremely helpful and cooperative. They they see us as a gift. Yeah. And come in and, and help uh, fix the situation. It's been many years. Is a corporate member substitution, so you don't really buy it, you don't really pay money, and you just substitute them for us. And our group is, you know, we're running to the pub. Yeah, our chief medical officer was here. They wanted to be an REH, right? They are an REH, and uh, our plan uh, will maintain that for 12 to 24 months. But starting day one, we will expand services for surgery, uh, potentially for having patients a little bit longer. It will feel like uh, a little less than the current re feel more like a real hospital. Because an REH is really a glorified emergency. It's a glorified emergency. Like fed, fed yeah. It's the feds paying out it to do it out parts this, of our hospital. This community is is older. Uh, they're they're uh, well insured. They're they have the ability to support a very robust, very excellent hospital. It's been undercapitalized almost from the beginning. If we can fix that problem one time there will be a permanent solution out there. Interesting. Important. I know there was another question. 
Yes, sir. How can we help get the uh, 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 Bill 147 back on the special agenda? So I would ask you all to do this. I was kind of my faith was renewed today when I talked to this reporter who is a straight shooter. I mean, she's a tough cookie. Uh, who, what, who is she with? Center Square. Center Square, okay. Um, she is going to come out with this pretty hard-hitting article. She minces no words, but it's it's a real story. It's not an op-ed. Um, I'd ask you all to write the governor. I, it's a pretty simple thing. Because he supports um, it, right? Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. He absolutely does. Mm -hmm. I think the lieutenant governor wants to put it on the list if we you know tackle uh, more than just uh, uh, school finance. You know, we're edging though toward. Uh, I know all of you know we have a trial that's coming up in September. And so that takes the Senate out of commission for yeah, hy hypothesis is three weeks. I've told my staff, knock out four weeks. So the earliest that we could get back to this would be, you know, around the 1st of October. Uh, and so, you know, you start to have these windows narrow. You're getting toward filing deadline uh, and, and things. So um, I don't know, you know, the, there's only so much that can happen in 30 days. But uh, I would ask you to write the governor and just say, you know, I followed Senate Bill 147 very closely, and that um, you know, I, you, and, and compliment him and say, I know that you too have supported this. I, you know, respectfully ask you to add it to the call of the next special session, because the governor controls the call. That's why we're not very like. I th I think we as lawmakers need to do better during the regular session because the governor controls the tempo of every special session. So we, the House and the Senate, should get more of our business done. I mean, it shouldn't have, the tax bill should not have kicked to the special sessions. We should have gotten that done during the regular and the Senate part. But I'd ask you to add it. Ask him to add it. Is there anyone on the other side, uh, Republican on the other side, that would be, it would be beneficial for us to contact uh, letting him know about I would say, and I had a very positive conversation with Dave Phelan about this actually in an exchange. Um, I, y'all would be shocked at the number of lobbyists that were hired to kill this bill. Um, and quite honestly, I think there's going to be a slow drumbeat to say if you're against Senate Bill 147, you're for the CCP. I mean, and, and again, how we've crafted, I mean, a lot of people, the CCP, according to this reporter and this intelligence officer, spent a great deal of money, time, and, you know, they have secret police, we know that, in the United States, and making people um, say it's xenophobe, it's racist, um, you know, again, you've got to be real comfortable as a leader to know what the truth is and what the truth is not. I love that Chewy Hinojosa, the only Democrat that voted for it, um, stood up during the debate and said, don't Russians look like you? And I go, yes, they do. Some of them have blonde hair. Uh, and he goes, this is not a racist bill. Of course, Chewy Hinojosa is an ex-Marine who served in Vietnam. Swell, swell guy very patriotic. Uh, we can call him too. Yeah, he, he is, he, he was actually even a co-author on the bill. That's pretty, that's pretty bold of him to do. So um, we have polling information. The first polling information we had to sign a non-disclosure because 
The group that had done it didn't uh, want to disclose it. The, the, the pollster that did it told me, he said, I've never seen something polled like this in my life. And when I say that over 80% of Democrats support it, over 90% Republicans, the independents fall in between. We did another poll. Uh, it was a, a, a group called TRED did another poll. They put this question in there, and it, it verified the first numbers that we saw. I told all my Democrat friends, you know, I went to one of the senators in a metropolitan area, and I held up. I said, this is your metropolitan area, and 82% of the Democrats there support this. She should vote for this bill. It was really interesting. This is a very bipartisan bill. Extremely bipartisan. Special interest. Money. Yeah. Money. Money, money, money. Never got to hear. You know, let's do away with national security so we can put a few dollars in our pocket. You know, I had one lawmaker come to me and say, I just believe in private property rights, and if I, I should be able to sell my land to anybody that you want. And I said to this particular lawmaker, I said, they could literally offer me a trillion dollars. And I would say no, because I love my country that much. So, um, you know, there's just different ways to look at this. And again, it's all off of how the bill is crafted. It's all off of the national threat uh, assessment uh, and the director of national intelligence under Trump and under Biden have named the same four countries for seven straight years. In this order, China, Russia, um, Iran, and North Korea. Can't make that up. So there's a way, you know, because all the questions, well, what if, you know, China's not against us anymore, or whatever. And I go, they'll roll off this report, and then they can buy all the land they want in Texas. It was really... It was it, it, it was a really well thought out bill that we changed along the way. I mean, we got feedback and said, okay, you're right. Legal permanent resident should probably be able to do that. Now, there in Canada, did y'all know that Canada was not uh, considered conservative? Of course. Right? <laughs> well, let me tell you what they did in in uh, January under Trudeau. They literally, a non citizen cannot buy a house in Canada right now. Cannot buy a house in Canada, nor can only a legal permanent resident or a Canadian citizen. Why? All of their houses were being bought up, and uh, they were, uh, you know, Canada Canadians were becoming renters instead of owners, and they were controlling the market. And so, if Canada can say nobody, nobody from the United States, nobody from Mexico, no one from France, no one from the UK can buy a home in Canada, surely we can outlaw our enemy countries from buying up our farmland right. and our natural resources. Huh? That's another story. We're going to defeat him by Good will defeat evil. How do you keep these countries not buying properties under yeah, so the, there was a mitigation way to go back through and find out the truth uh, about that. It's not, there's nothing easy about this. I mean, it is so complicated, like the example that was made in California, where they won't, but you have to disclose the owner. So we kind of had that in the bill. Man, I mean, it, it, it took forever to try to get straight. Is there, so, I work for a company that's 
going hugely into trade compliance. And we have the countries you've named as being those that we cannot do business with. It, even if they have our products, we shut them off. We won't do business with them at all. But we have to go, our sales have slowed way down because we have to go through a huge process of going through who is it, what are they doing business with, where does our product go, where is it housed. We go from there to our contracts area and they work through all their processes. Then we go through our legal department and they go through all their processes. And in the interim, it takes somebody just to fill out the form wrong and we'll still do business with them. So how could that be more managed in real estate especially where there aren't all those entities, how would that be supported to not allow those people to come in and buy under a pseudonym mm -hmm. property when even this huge company I work for is... So I wish I had Grant here with me, yeah, which is our general counsel, because I ask those same questions and you know, y'all, I'm carrying a lot of bills and I got, I'm spending 2.321 billion of your own dollars on my dining room table with thousands of pieces of paper. Grant could explain it to you in a way. It, it was very, I mean, it, it is very tricky how you do this, okay? And so it was not on the title company. Uh, it, 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 it used uh, kind of almost like how we do the bankruptcy court and how we do some checking. It's complicated, and I haven't looked at that bill since April, so um, I can we can certainly get back to you if you'll give Andrea your name. I'll give you kind of how we were able to come up with something that we thought was workable. My hope was that the House was going to hear it. Give me, you know, when the bill when a bill goes through two chambers, it usually is improved. Sometimes it's weakened. Um, sometimes it's it's strengthened. Um, but uh, we were really working with real estate agents. We were working with title companies. Uh, we had a lot of people uh, that were, were giving us input on to how to make this work. We have the benefit of Amber Rhodes, you know, helping with a lot of the information. Oh, yeah. Um, but, in, 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 you know, so other states are kind of doing this. Um, and, you know, one of the things is, is that I, I've always known when you, when you pass a bill that actually moves the needle, you always have to go back and try to fix it because there's just things you cannot think about. And that is definitely the case of 147. But making the statement, now listen, it was good enough to get the CCP all mm -hmm. the way mm -hmm. from many oceans over there involved in this. And they have it dead straight on WeChat and everything. They have it documented how the CCP was involved in, in the Texas legislature. Influence, influencing the Texas legislature, let that one sink in. That's how far we've fallen. Chinese government is one of the most evil entities in the world today. Yes. 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 Um, so on another thing, you know, like I, I, I have to tell you that I did pass a bill um, that built off of a bill from last session that was actually Angela Paxton's, but y'all know that the 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 uh, the Uyghurs and others. Uh, are being persecuted there and uh, they're being enslaved. Um, in fact, um, I was uh, with someone the other day, I forgot who it was, that said there are more people enslaved today than ever 
in the oh it was a uh, sound of freedom there are more uh, slaves slavery is at its highest point that it's ever been uh, since uh, the world has been created by our creator but um, I uh, the the that bill uh, makes it illegal to receive a harvest uh, a, a uh, transplant harvest from uh, anywhere in China so uh, it's a big organ deal. Harvesting. Organ harvesting. It's a big trade. And it's kind of like the underbelly of human trafficking and child trafficking and child porn. And never forget something, too. Y'all understand that people are trying to normalize mm -hmm. pedophilia. Yeah. I mean, they're just trying to normalize it. Mm -hmm. That is the face of evil. Okay? I don't care if you're on the left, the right, in the middle, See, whatever. The biggest issue we face as a country is the pedophilia, in my opinion, and how it corrupts everything it touches. Okay. Yes. That's, that's the currency of the underworld. It, it's bigger than drugs. It is evil. The sex trade and the pedophilia that goes with it. It is evil, and it is the darkness. It is the scourge of, of our world right now. So we have to do something about it. So I know it's getting late. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. You know, hospitals still, I mean, the federal government requires their employees to get it. You're going to have that problem with the nursing because until you get that passed, that, you know, they don't, cannot mandate that. So we weren't enforcing it as a state, and we still are not. We're kind of looking the other way. Uh, but the Fed regulators uh, can come in and, and do something about it. And so Senate Bill 1024, didn't get it renewed. Um, great bill uh, that focused on the employers uh, and the mandates. Listen, you can mandate steel toe boots. You can mandate a hard hat. I can take those off when I go home in the evening. Okay? With an experimental vaccine, you should not be able to mandate. It is hurting our nursing world. It absolutely is. And so we've gone round and round. We did pass SB 29, Brian Birdwell. Um, it gave you know some mask protections in the future. Um, it, it it was a decent bill, not as tough as I wanted it to be, but a, but a decent bill. Brian did a great job with it. His hands are a little tied for what I think the governor would sign, but um, you make an excellent point. And it's if you're accepting Medicaid or Medicare, there are some workarounds because I know some of Lois Kate's good friends um, that are you know they're they're very concerned about their reproductive. Uh, expectancy and things, and so um, they're not—they're not willing. They would give up their jobs before they. they leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, like older people like me that have been in the hospital business for forty plus years, <laughs> you know, I can't think can't change a job that fast. And mm -hmm. I have coworkers that can't leave their job now to go to another hospital system because they are mandating them still be. So, so what I did in 1024 was I allowed uh, conscience as one of the exemptions, uh, and I think I, I I think it would have covered hospitals. I think we could have won this even if the feds came down on us. Uh, it was an important bill. I mean, it was it was a tough bill to protecting right. school children. Um, it, it was you know, and again, all of this came to me where. I, I travel a lot. I'm out on the road. I ran a pretty good race, and I listen to people. And this was over and over and over again. And I want to tell you that what I had in that bill was that it said 
that any vaccine that is added to the school list has to be voted on in the legislature. People went crazy over that. They go, we're not the public health experts. I said the last two vaccines that have been added were voted on by the legislature. You want an unelected bureaucrat or the CDC to tell you what your children have to be vaccinated on to be, to be able to go to public schools? Absolutely not. So it's just something that really merits huge discussion. I mean, what, right. what you're talking about is, you know, that, that, that was my whole point. And we got into some pretty good arguments on this on the Senate side. I mean, that was a pretty tough bill. I mean, that was a pretty tough bill. To, to get, you know, to get, uh, to, for me to cobble my votes together. But, I mean, does the employer trump the workers' rights? I don't think so. And so I said, you can mandate it, but you have to recognize religious and conscious uh, and health exemptions. You have to. The Nuremberg Code gives us informed consent. Yes, it's it already does. law that we have informed consent. So they're all breaking the law for forcing vaccines. I know. We'd love to talk to you and your friends, by the way. So, so um, anyway, thank you all for coming tonight. I'm so glad you're here. I just want to say, and, and I, you know, I'm under a gag order, so I can't talk about what I, I will tell you all that, you know, we will uh, assemble on the 5th. Um, the one thing I can tell you, you can read the rules, you can read all of that, that's very public. I will tell you that the Senate, I, I've never been more proud of being a part of a group where for two weeks we had a committee meet to form the rules, and then for two days consecutively we met for 10 hours. And when I say we didn't take a lunch break, we did not take a lunch break. You got to go 15 minutes to the restroom. We parsed every word uh, to make sure that this is a fair trial. So I... I, I I want you to know how seriously uh, the Senate is taking this. This is not a quick vote of anything. So uh, with that, I ask for your prayers for discernment. Uh, I, I really need your prayers for discernment. And um, don't, don't be shy. It's lonely to be a leader. But y'all all can do this. We can do this, and it's for our future generations. It is for the world, really. So thank y'all. Thank you.